no idea what that is. But, uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we will we'll jump into our lesson. Lord God, you are, are so good, Lord, and we are thankful for that, Lord. We are thankful that you are, are kind and gracious and loving, Lord, that, that you save sinners like us, Lord, that we may know you, that we may be called sons, daughters of, of the Most High God, Lord. That is amazing. Um, we, we pray that we would love and honor you. Um, as a result of our time, Lord, help us to, to love and honor you better. Lord, we, we pray that we would be equipped to care for others better um, and that you would be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we are going to be, you, you'll see it's, it's discipline one. We're, we're talking about personal character part two, and really we're going to focus in on the command to live by the spirit. Uh, before we jump into that, um, I want I want to just walk through um, some truths that we know and love. Um, the the first that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's that's a phrase that that you're familiar with. Um, right under there, the the first point of that, I want to see that salvation is only by God's grace. And so I'm actually gonna, going to read through in just a couple minutes um, Galatians 1 through 4 and all of the gospel truths that are, that are um, in Galatians 1 through 4. Really, really, this salvation is only by God's grace is, is the foundation of any discipline. Um, we talk about the three basic EQ disciplines. Um, you'll see a, a number at the top of each lesson, right? But, but there aren't any disciplines that you and I can do to make us right before God. Um, salvation is only by his grace. Um, then after salvation, we, we can talk about the life that he desires us to live. Um, anything else that we will see after these first four chapters in Galatians, um, anything else we talk about about the Christian life, is completely dependent on God showing mercy first, um, God giving undeserved favor first. Um, so I want you to go ahead and listen to these truths from Galatians 1 through 4. And, and as you're doing that, think about, answer these two questions. What is God's part in my salvation? And what is my part in my salvation? Okay, so chapter 1, verse 4 starts speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Verse 6, I marvel that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Um, verse 15, Paul, speaking of himself and his life, says, But when God, who had set me apart from my mother's womb, and when he called me through his grace, was pleased, then he revealed his son, so that he might proclaim the good news among the Gentiles. Uh, chapter six, or verse 16 of chapter 2, 
knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, and he, he continues on. Uh, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live by the in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Verse 5 in chapter 3. He, do, he does he who provides <clears throat> you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Not Abraham wasn't righteous on his own. It was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, verse 8, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Verse 11, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous shall live by faith. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. For if the inheritance is by the law, it is no longer by promise, but God has granted it to Abraham through the promise. Verse 22, but the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Verse 24, therefore the law has become our tutor unto Christ so that we may be justified by faith but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So also we, chapter 4, verse 3, were children, were enslaved under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now, having known, that is actually, I, I think, the first active verb that believers do. 
having known. We have a part in salvation, right? Well, look how he follows it up. Or rather, being known by God, what, what is important? That God is at work. God is the one who saves. It is all of God. How is it that you turn back again? Verse 19, my, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. He needs to be formed in you. Chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. And then chapter 5, verse 13 says, for you were called. That, that is the context for any command um, in the book of Galatians, for, for any imperative. God is the one who is at work in salvation. Salvation is only by God's grace. And the, our, our next point, look, look down at the next point there. God's grace is about more than salvation. Go ahead and turn to Titus 2, 11 to 14. Um, as we just heard that what God has done for sinners like us in Galatians, um, he has done everything, right? Uh, we should be overwhelmed with thankfulness at his grace. Um, it might be shocking that this next point says that God's grace is about more than salvation. Um, this passage in Titus 2 is where we spent most of the lesson last month, um, and on the, on the front end of this week's lesson, I, I want to ask you a question, and, and it's this. Do you really love God's grace? I, th I think each of us loves that we have been given forgiveness. Uh, we love salvation. But we need to ask ourselves as we read the, these couple verses, do I love all that God's grace is about? Let's go ahead and, and read Titus 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, and it's, and it's appeared doing a couple things. See this? It has appeared bringing salvation to all men, and it has appeared instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do we really love God's grace? Do we love all that his grace is about? Then we will love pursuing God's instruction. Because God's grace has appeared bringing salvation, right? Hopefully, hopefully that resonates with, the, with your soul. You, you are completely dependent on God's grace in salvation. And his, his grace has also appeared instructing us. We need to direct our hearts to love his instruction. We should love the commands that are given to the church, the imperatives, just like we love salvation, because they are a demonstration of his grace. Um, with, with this in mind, we're going to be spending the rest of our time just looking at one specific instruction for believers to live by the Spirit. And just so you know, we're going to be jumping back and forth between Galatians 5 and Romans 8. 
we'll, we'll spend a bunch of time in both of those passages. So page two on your outline there, you should have live by the Spirit. And, and the first point there is the prerequisites for living by the Spirit. Go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 8. The prerequisite really is this. You, you have to belong to Jesus. You are positionally either in the flesh or in Jesus. Uh, Romans 8, 1 to 4 says the same thing that we just heard from Galatians chapters 1 through 4. Um, you had no ability to save yourself, but there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That, that is good news. Verse 2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. What you couldn't do, what the law could never do to make you right before God, God did. Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have been set free from the law of sin and death. Has God fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law in you? For you through his son offered in your place that is the prerequisite for walking according to the spirit for living according to the spirit um, you can't do it yourself and verse 5 says for those who are according to the flesh those ones set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Are you according to the Spirit? Then we must set our, our minds on the things of the Spirit. If we aren't, we must be saved. Verse 6, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God. Believer, if, if God has saved you, then you can please him. You can turn from sin. You can and you must resist temptation. Pursue what would bring God glory. You are positionally his and you can practically live for him. Okay, you, if you want to bookmark chapter 8, we are going to be back there. Um, but we are going to turn over right now to Galatians chapter 5. And we'll, we'll be there for a little while. Our, our second point there, what we're going to see next is the evidence of fleshly desires. In verse 16 here, we see the main point, the main command that, that's really the topic for the rest of chapter 5. Um, it is the command, walk by the Spirit. For now, we're, we're actually going to jump past that, that main command um, to look at what walking by the Spirit produces and what desires of the flesh produce. Verse 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and 
you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If, if the prerequisites are met, if you belong to Christ, then this command is for you. Obey this command. And as you are obedient to this command, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. This is, this is an emphatic statement. Um, you shall not carry out the desire of the flesh. The second half here isn't a second command, but it's a promise tied to obedience of the first. Obey this, and this will be the result. Verse 16 here is, is so helpful because it reminds us that the battle for holiness, the fight against sin, the pursuit of glorifying God with our actions begins at the heart level. Um, this is a shepherding your heart issue. Paul doesn't start with addressing the deeds themselves, right? We're going to get to there in, in a couple of verses. He doesn't start by addressing the sin that is easily seen on the outside first, but the desire. It's interesting to note here that, that it is a singular desire of the flesh in verse 16 and in verse 17. The flesh here, which isn't just... This, this physical stuff, right? It, it is, it includes the mind, the will, the emotions, all of you apart from Christ's work in you. That flesh has a desire. Um, and the desire is set against the spirit, according to verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you do not do the things that you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's, what's implied here in verse 17 is that the Spirit has a desire also. The flesh and the Spirit have opposing desires, and, and they're against each other. This spiritual conflict is real, and it goes on. Um, one commentator said, so long as we remain in this present life, we never outgrow or transcend the spiritual conflict Paul was describing in this passage. There is no spiritual technique or second blessing that can propel the believer into a higher plane of Christian living where this battle must no longer be fought. But there is so much hope here for the one who is now in Christ. You were a slave to sin. There was nothing you could do about it. Now, believer, you are led by the Spirit. Now, it, it's interesting here. Watch, watch how Paul changes the vocabulary in verse 19. We are still talking about flesh versus spirit. But instead of the word desire, something that's internal, he now addresses the deed, the external the visible thing that has been done by the sinner. Verse 19 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. The desire of the flesh might not be evident. It might not be easy to see, at least at first. But these actions, these deeds that originate from that same sinful flesh are clearly seen. Um, they are easy to identify. They are now obvious, a few translations say. And, and I think we should really look at these deeds that are evident 
as evidence of desires that need to be addressed. It is easy to see that these actions are wrong, but the heart of the problem is that these things all flow from a desire that is against the Spirit, that is against God's glory, ultimately. As we read through the, this list, um, it's good to remember that this is not an exhaustive list of sinful deeds. Um, but based on the context, I, what, one thing that I'm asking myself as we, as we read this list is, what desires are behind this sin? Maybe we can narrow it down to a single desire that is behind all of these types of sinning. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, verse 19. They are obvious, which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what are all of these things about? Um, as one person in our fellowship group said last week, and I, I think I agree, the, these are all about self self-satisfaction, self-glorification. My desires need to be filled. I'm going to take things into my own hands. I'm going to do things my own way. Our wants, our desires, those, those things are bad masters. And they once ruled you, believer, but they are to do so no more. Your, your life is supposed to be a, not about yourself, right? It is supposed to be about God's glory. Uh, when we see sin, when we see clear evidence of fleshiness, we should ask, what desire was behind that? What desire was behind me speaking harshly? Well, was angry. Why was I angry? Well, because I had this expectation and it wasn't met. Whose expectation was it again? Oh, it was mine. I really thought that what I wanted was the standard, that what I wanted was good. I had thought through why I wanted it. Someone not taking my desire into consideration was offensive. Um, the anger is a problem. It's, it's wrong, right? But if I stop at addressing the anger, it, it's really like picking weeds, uh, leaves off of a weed. Uh, the root is still there. The, the plant's going to grow back really quickly. The roots at, at that point are going to be able to dig deeper and be harder to pull. What I must address is a love of myself that is sitting in the wrong place. The Lord is the one I must fear. He's the one I must love. I must long to please him. I need to remember, God is in control. 
He is good. His ways are good. What am I? Nothing. I need to remember truth. I need to trust him and have less regard for my own ways, for my own desires. If, if we are remembering truth, who God is, what he has done, what he has said, sin is never logical, right? It never really makes sense. But we have to remember, we have to think. Are we being ruled by wants, by desires, or by truth? We should be all about the glory of God. And, and that's actually exactly what we see the Spirit being about in our next few verses. Go ahead and let's look down at the next point. The produce of a life led by the Spirit. In contrast to the, the various obvious deeds of the flesh that flow from, I think, a desire for self-satisfaction, self-glorification, the Spirit produces its own fruit in the lives of believers. Um, this fruit, similar to the deeds of the flesh, is visible. I think it's helpful for us to see that, that it isn't mystical, it isn't something you have to wonder about. Uh, but it is the Spirit's work put out on display. And, and it's amazing because when we think about this fruit in its context, in the context of Galatians as a whole, it is not natural to sinful man. Sinful man is unable to produce anything that is pleasing to, to God, let alone this sort of fruit that bring, brings him glory. All of this fruit all of these visible characteristics that flow out of a life led by God's Spirit are in line with what the Spirit has already done in the believer. According to Galatians, the Spirit at work in you is tied to hearing with faith. Um, that, that's how the Galatians receive the Spirit in chapter 3, verse 2. That is how they are, are to continue towards perfection. Chapter 3, verse 3, every work of the Spirit that they were familiar with was by hearing with faith, with faith 3, verse 5. And, and this is how the Gentiles were brought into the promise of the Spirit through faith. Chapter 4, verse 6. And through the Spirit, by faith, we are waiting for the hope to come in, in 5, 5. Overwhelmingly, in the book of Galatians, the spirit is tied to faith, to trusting submission under God, to truth about him, to, to his promises, to his instructions. And, and I'm convinced that this fruit flows out of that, that same faith, that same loving, trusting submission to God. Here is what the spirit produces. Um, I have on your list there in verse 16, not carrying out the desires of the flesh. Uh, the spirit produces a love for God, a love for God's glory, and the flesh is all about itself. So they are completely at odds. Of course, the one who is led by the spirit wouldn't carry out the desires of the flesh. Let's jump down to Galatians 5, 22 to 23, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It, it is really fitting, I think, that Paul starts with love. Um, love is the opposite of a self-focus, right? It is trusting God with whatever he gives. Myself is not to be my worry. L love is a desire for the good of someone else. It is a self-sacrificial care for others. Joy, uh, that is satisfaction found in whatever the Lord would give you because your satisfaction ultimately is in him. My delight is not tied to my fleshly desires being met, but it's tied to Jesus, knowing what I deserve, remembering his grace to me. With those things in mind, how could I not be thankful and filled with joy? I can call him Father now. Peace, I can trust him. I don't need anything else. Patience, this is steadfast endurance or long-suffering. We can remember how he bore with us. What he rescued me from, I can trust in him to work in the life of my friend or in the life of my family member. And if nothing changes in my circumstances, I can still trust him. Thomas Watson said, patience is a cheerful submission of our will to God, knowing, this is a paraphrase right here at the last part, knowing what God does is not only good, but best. Everything he does is, is good. We can submit to his will and be patient. Kindness, hasn't he dealt, dwelt, dealt so well with me? His kindness stepped in and led me all the way to repentance, actively. Trust in him leads me to pursue the good of others. Holiness, even, in, in, the, in others. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What could the flesh have to do with any of these things? If trusting in the Lord, desiring to see him glorified is what? Oh, sorry, I, I skipped one thing real quick. Um, those, those things, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, these bring glory to God because they are demonstrations of what only the Spirit could produce. Um, a faith-filled life that doesn't grasp for self, but trusts what the Lord gives, and then, and then seeks to honor him in it. Um, Lastly, we'll, we'll look at self-control here. The, the Spirit does love to produce God-glorifying faith. And, and if trusting in the Lord, desiring to see Him glorified is what rules me, um, not my fleshly desires, not my selfish desires, those things actually need to be put under control so that I do what I know to be right, not, not what I feel. Uh, we might, we, we, we fight what we feel with what we know. That's, that's a phrase that we've heard often. Um, it, it is just a helpful thing to remember. Through faith, the Spirit produces glory for God.
Let's, let's jump down to our last section, the mechanics of living by the Spirit. Circling back up to that command in, in chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Um, this, this is the imperative. It, it's, it's a command. Walk by the Spirit. It, it isn't optional. It is not optional. But it needs to be obeyed. In, in verse 25, there is a really similar statement. There, it's actually not a command. It's, it's an if-then statement. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If the first is true, then the second needs, um, needs to be pursued. If, if you have been given life by the Spirit, if you are a believer and you know that salvation is, is only by his grace, then you know that you need to pursue walking by the Spirit. Uh, but you might still wonder, how, how do I do this? What is my part in this? Um, there was, in Galatians 5, there was one command, and then there was a lot of truth. Um, I understand that the flesh produces these things, the Spirit produces these other things, but how do I obey the command? Is walking by the Spirit um, some hard to understand mystical experience? What, what am I to do? Uh, we're gonna flip over now back to Romans 8 and see some clarifying instruction that has to do with this command. You could also look at all of Colossians 3, um, but we're gonna limit our time together this morning to two whole chapters. Not three. So here, here is the way to apply the information you've been given. Um, truth is meant to be believed, to be acted upon. And here's how you can act upon what you know about the deeds of the flesh. Live according to the Spirit. Starting in verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How can I pursue living according to the Spirit? Well, we do need to know what, what the deeds of the flesh are so that we can actually wage war against them. Um, there is a sense in which you are a new creation. Those old desires were crucified if you are a believer, according to Galatians 2.24. That is a past tense. It has happened once. You have a new position. You have a new nature. And even though the flesh has lost its ultimate power over you, it can't influence your eternal state before the Lord the flesh does remain present and it continues to try to influence you. In Romans 8, 13 here, you presently, right now, can be putting to death the deeds of the flesh. 
You, you can be identifying sin. You can be pursuing what is right and pleasing to the Lord at the heart level. Um, th this really does start with the mind. We need to control our thinking. Lord, help me to remember what you have said. Help me to believe what you have said. Help me to trust that you are enough, that you are what's good for me, that anything you give is what is right for me. Help me to not take matters into my own hands, uh, to do things my way, to go after what I want, but to trust in you. Uh, we need to trust him with the outcome. I think, I think we all understand that. In God's sovereignty, we know all things are going to end up good, right? We see that at the end of chapter eight. But we need to trust him with, with the details in the meantime. The details that the Lord has given you are a part of his process in conforming you to the image of the likeness of Christ. I need to trust in his methods. He is good. Everything he does is good. Actually, everything he does is best. Part of trusting in him means suffering. That, that's what Romans 8 right here tells us. But it ends in glory. You can see uh, that spirit-led life on display in Romans 8 there. Remember what is true. Don't, don't give space to the deeds of the flesh. Um, don't, don't give those things space in your life. And, and how do you do that? Actually by attacking the desires of the flesh. Um, that, that's our clarifying instruction. Identify, fight the desires that are against God's glory, that are for myself. Remember and believe truth. Seek to love and pursue and grow in faith. All while while growing your love for God's glory, ultimately. The hope that believers have as they, as they obey and wait, um, that the fight is going to be a lifelong fight um, against our very selves. And that, to me, that seems overwhelming. Um, but there is an incredible amount of comfort for you, believer, in, in your pursuit of holiness. Look, look down at verse 22. Um, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Uh, we were saved by him as we hoped in him, and we press on in him as we still hope in him. Um, verse 24, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he, has already, sees? he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly await Here, here's the ultimate comfort. The same God who saved us is, is still at work 
We are called to seek him. And he is the only reason we can cry out, Abba, Father. He continues to intercede for us so we can continue to hope. Verse 26, in, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Like, there's, just, there's an acknowledgement of weakness in believers. We need to know that about ourselves. For we do not know how to pray as we should. There is a, there is a weakness at the mind level in me. But there's hope because the, the Spirit himself intercedes with, for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows. Where there's a lack of knowledge on my part, there's not on the Lord's. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God knows our every weakness. The Spirit knows that, that we don't even know how to pray as we ought to. But we see that, we see right here that, that we shouldn't fear. Um, there is not something else out there that I need to find before my life can be pleasing to him. I don't need to look for an answer that he hasn't already revealed. Um, as I seek to live by the Spirit, I can trust him to produce what is pleasing to the Lord. Pray. That, that's a command here. That's a command in, in Jude. Pray according to the Spirit. And pray according to what the Spirit would love to produce in you. According to God's promises. Trust the Lord. The, the Spirit intercedes for you even as you are seeking the Lord in prayer. Uh, we must live by the Spirit. Actively pursue holiness, and flee from sin. Uh, remember what God has done to save you, a believer. Remember what he loves to produce in his people and pursue those things. Be against what the flesh would love to produce in you and pursue faith. Strengthen your faith by remembering what is true. Find hope in how, in how the Lord will work all things for good to make you more like Christ. Uh, to, to ultimately bring glory to his name um, as, as you just pursue him in faith. Let's go ahead and, and we'll pray. There's a lot of time left for discussion groups. <laughs> Lord God, you are our good. God, we are thankful that you, by your mighty power, have worked to save sinners like us. Lord, what, what do we have to bring to you? Um, what, what is natural to me, what, what comes from me naturally, Lord, is a love of self. God, and, and you are so gracious in, in saving sinners, um, giving faith. Lord, we, we are so, so thankful for, for that grace that saves. Help us to love what your instruction that comes by that same grace.
Lord, I, I do pray that you would produce in us what only you can produce in us, Lord, that you would be glorified as this fruit is on display in the lives of your people. Lord, cause us to be known by, by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because all of those things bring glory to you. Um, Lord, help us in faith to, to, to pursue uh, what you would love to produce in us, Lord. And God, help us to trust you in, in the meantime as we um, live in this mixed condition with our, with our flesh still trying to speak into our lives, still trying to persuade us. Lord, help us to trust and obey you. Help us to remember who you are, what you've done, to fix our eyes on, on you. And, and Lord, we, we pray that you would be glorified in, in our church. In Christ's name, amen.